Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to episode four of the SC Playbook AFL podcast for season 2022. My name is Eddie. I'm going to be running you through things today as always, but joining me is a couple of very special guests. We've got firstly Nico, coach of Lovesky FC, the overall runner-up in Supercoach 2021. Nico, thanks for joining us today. No problem. G'day, Eddie. And I'm very excited to introduce the newest member of the SC Playbook team, the Supercoach Bandit, uh, who has just joined his writing content and joining on podcast for us. So, Bandit, it's great to have you on board. G'day, Eddie. G'day, Nico. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me along today. Uh, big shoes to fill after the first couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to finally having some footage to talk about. It's nice to uh, have a pre-season games up and running where we can actually start looking um, at clubs versus other clubs rather than just uh, intra-clubs. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting into it today. Absolutely. And I think that's a better place to start than any. Um, we've had actually had some proper games. They've been televised on KO. Um, we've been, been able to get Supercoach stats out of them, see the structures of the teams. Um, Nico, I'm going to start with you first. What is the one thing out of everything everything that you saw over the weekend? What's the one thing that stood out to you the most over these preseason games? Oh, there's um, premiums be premiums. I guess there's like players like Tuke Miller, um, Clayton Oliver, these guys you're paying top dollar for, Jack McCrae. But they just showed us once again why. Um, no reasons not to pick these guys, really. It's just a matter of trying to fit everybody in. But um, other than a couple of uh, you know mid-prices that, that put their hand up or that 200K price range seems to be going off a little bit at the moment. Um, so there's a few players there that, that tickled my fancy as well. But mainly it was just um, really just pinpointing that those you know premiums I've selected um, in all this build-up, they've been the right ones to sort of stick with great and what about you bandit what did what sort of caught your eye from the last few days yeah it's probably the the lower end for me i think you know those those sort of gun premiums at this time of year just looking for them to you know tick the legs over and make sure that they're cherry ripe and ready to go but i think we um found out a little bit more potentially about the bottom end in terms of the rookies and also those sort of 200 to 300k players as well um, sort of how they're going to sort of fit into the teams around the competition and potentially how they're going to fit into our our structures for the start of the year. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking uh, rookies and also those mid-prices as well that uh, seem to be very popular this year. Yeah, I thought a good way to do it would just be go through game by game and see what sort of stood out to you guys. So um, we'll start with what was the uh, the Wednesday night game last week was the, the Dogs v Bombers. Um, for me, as a Dom, as a Dons fan, I was very pleased with what I saw, um, both from a Supercoach perspective and a, and a real-life perspective as well. Um, Nico, what jumped off the page for you when you saw the wrap-up or when you watched that game? Yeah, it was um, a couple of the young kids putting their hand up, like Tex Wanganin, who has got a contract out of his performance over on that game. So um, he's one to definitely keep an eye on. If he can get a round one berth, that'd be, that'd be brilliant. Other things that I took out of it were just a couple of um, role things, like um, we've got uh, our back Ridley sort of looked to be into that intercept role again, where we know he scores really well, so that was positive. Um, and then there was other sort of negatives, like Hobbs only played like the last quarter, so he's kind of potentially a fringe player, so someone who we might not be looking at. 
similar with Caldwell too, actually, who we sort of all expected to start in the centre bounce and have a run through the midfield, and that wasn't quite the case either. Um, Bandit, was there was there anything from the dog side of things that that you like the look of? Yeah, Josh Dunkley really stood out to me. Uh, obviously, came back from that uh, that shoulder problem that he had through the middle of last year, and the dogs probably nursed him through the back end of last year to a point just to get him through to the finals, but. Uh, yeah, I think with him playing such a prominent role in that midfield, I think he went a long way into locking himself into a lot of uh, people's teams at F1. Um, he looks to be someone who, you know, it was maybe a 50-50 call at the start of the preseason to pretty much being a, you know, a surefire option at F1 for a lot of people. So, yeah, seeing him go well was um, all that I needed to see to lock him into, uh, into my team. Yeah, same for me with Adam Trelaw, just seeing him run around. Um, that was enough for me that, that he's back to whatever his best was with, with Collingwood. He looks like it. Um, the other big one for me, just to keep an eye on, was uh, Andrew McGrath coming off halfback, which is one to keep an eye on. As we touched on last week, Nico, you are not a fan of picking people based on what they might happen with their position-wise. But if we did happen to get Andrew McGrath as a, as a defender at some point during this year, that would be fantastic. Um, moving on to Blues v Saints. Um yeah, I'm not. I'm not sold on either of these two teams, both from uh, real life and a super coach perspective. Nico, was was there anything that you that you took out of this at all? Um, not not a lot. No. Um, Jack Steele looks like he's going to do Jack Steele things again. So that was that was good to see. Hewitt seems to have a nice role uh, as well for the Blues. He might, you know, around that sort of high three hundreds, four hundred k range. He might, you know, be on some people's radar to to fill a spot in their defense. Uh, but other than that, um, I mean, we got Dylan's mate McGovern who was doing the intercepting role. He still he looked okay, so I'll, I'll give him that. But maybe another look at him uh, for one more week. Bandit, anything? Any? Any? Does McGovern give you any hope at all? Do you, will you be starting with Jeremy McGovern? No, I was listening to that last week, and um, I was not sold by that pitch at all on the podcast last week. So. I'll be passing over McGovern, but yeah, a bit like you guys, I'm a bit great up on on both St Kilda and Carlton, aside from sort of Jack Steele, not a lot to sort of take out of that game. Patrick Cripps, um, by reports, was looking um, pretty lean and healthy, so he's maybe someone to look at um, if you are looking for someone in that sort of 400 to 500 price range. Um, he's someone who's, you know, we've done it before, He's um, his ceiling is enormous when he's, when he's fully fit, so he's maybe someone you can look at, but yeah, aside from that, not a lot to take out of that game, I don't think. Yeah, the other one was Charlie Kerno, and you've spoken a little bit about him previously, Nico, in that he is a great option, but he really needs Harry McKay as that that big forward leading out. Otherwise, he does get stuck in the square a bit too he, much, my liking. Did you did you does. see anything that put pushed pushed you towards him at all? Uh, pushed me away from him going going off the field with his um with his knee again. So if he doesn't play next well this coming um, round of matches, I don't think I'll be able to start him. We really sort of needed to see two full games in his role and to make sure his body's right. Uh, just looks like he might have another injury interrupted season, unfortunately. For sure. Um, and the next game on the list was Melbourne v North, in which North unsurprisingly got given a uh, nice warm bubble bath by the reigning premiers. Um, Max Gorn, dominant. Um, Jason Horn francis as good as advertised. Um, Bandit, is there anything more to take out of this or is it really hard because it was basically just a training run for the Demons? Yeah, tough to tough to sort of take any intel out of it when a team wins by you know ninety points or whatever it was. So um, I did like the performance of Max Gorn. I think that was encouraging for those who you know are looking to start him at R one. Um, I think that should allay sort of any concerns that you have about his role in the team. You know, the reality is if Melbourne want to compete for the flag again, he's going to have to play you know at least seventy percent game time in the rock. I would think to be 
um, if Melbourne want to uh, be in the top four again. So, you know, I wouldn't read too much into Luke Jackson taking more of the centre bounces. You know, yes, we saw in the grand final last year that they were pretty dynamic when Jackson went in there. But, uh, yeah, I think Max Gorn will be um, the big dog of Melbourne again in, uh, in 2022. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Nico, anything from you for that game? Not a lot other than Clayton Oliver looking good, Petrarca looking good, um, and as Bandit just pointed out, um, Maxi looking good again. So with you know Proust becoming a bit of an issue uh, at R2, it looks like we're going to have to find the money potentially to go to Gorn because um, the other ones kind of look shaky. But I didn't really take too much out of that game. Yeah, not a lot to to be learnt when a team smashes another team by that much. Um, one game that there that I did find very interesting in a number of respects was the Lions and Crows game, um, and this is super relevant for SuperCoach with players everywhere. Um, Nico, which of the uh, the Jared Berry um, and Zach Bailey pairing did you find the more impressive? I already had Berry in my team going into this game, so I'm kind of a bit disappointed that he absolutely dominated. He got like 160 SuperCoach points or something. So he did, yeah. I'd be absolutely shocked if his ownership didn't skyrocket and, you know, pushing above 50%. Um, I think he should be in most people's team. He looked brilliant coming back from injury, played a lot in the guts, played a bit on the wing, a bit up forward. He kicked three goals. He just looked like a star. And, you know, he's done it before. He's averaged 90 um, before, so he's got that scoring history. Yeah, he's all but locked and loaded for me now. I had to move a few things just to get him straight in after that. Well, I had already had him, but just yeah, sure, sure that up. But he's not going anywhere. Well, I was similar to you. As soon as I, as soon as I saw the slightest hints coming out of that game, that was more than enough for me. Same with um, Josh Rochelle from the Crows, who who looks excellent. Um, Bandit, have you? Zach Bailey is one that's had a little bit of buzz over this preseason. Is he? Is he one that you are keeping an eye on? He is. I can't squeeze him into my team at the moment. Um, I've got sort of Dunkley at F1, Dusty at F2. So, um, yeah, the way I'm sort of looking at the forward line at the moment, I'm only keen to just sort of slot in one sort of breakout contender alongside two sort of tried and true uh, stars, I guess. So um, I'm really tossing up at the moment between, between three guys, probably Zach Bailey, who we've just talked about, um, Zach Butters from Port Adelaide and Taron Thomas from, from North. So, um, yeah, hopefully the um, the next round of uh, preseason games can sort of help sway me one way or the other because I've gone from sort of having Taron Thomas in my in my team for most of the preseason to um, yeah having Butters in the team in my team um, on the back of him you know attending a lot of set of bounces um, at Port Intra Club um, over the last couple of weeks. So um, yeah, we're sort of spoiled for choice in the breakout category, but um, you know you've just got to nail the right one. So it's proven to be a bit of a challenge at the moment with so many guys in that sort of 400 to, to 500k range. Yeah, that's spot on. And a few other little storylines out of that game was uh, Darcy Wilmot for Brisbane looked like he was a big chance to play round one and as a defensive rookie, which would be really handy. Cam Rainer was rusty. Um, I'm not reading too much into it. I probably won't be starting with him, um, but I wouldn't begrudge if he did. And Lockie Neal was everywhere, which is great to see um, as another little sort of mid-priced uh, option in the midfield. Yep, fallen, um, fallen premium um, should be in a lot of teams. Absolutely, even um, Hinge I thought looked look all right um, at the back there as well. Um, but I agree with your sentiments on Reno. He didn't show me enough to to warrant a starting position in my team. Um, Bandit, you were you were uh, talking about Zach Butters just before, and yeah, for good reason. The next game, Port v Gold Coast, he was easily Port's best player. 
I've just seen the uh, the super coach stats come out. He scored 167 um, and was playing predominantly through the midfield. I've had to move some things around and get him in as well. Uh, he just looked too good to ignore. What what did he do for you particularly in that game that stood out, Bandit? Yeah, well, just before we get to Butters, I think the one one more thing on the Adelaide Crows Brisbane game was um, Matt Crouch getting through on on managed minutes. Um, that was a a pretty important um, thing for the Crows. I think you know we've seen what a capable super coach player Matt Crouch is. So I know he's had a lot of injury issues over the last couple of years, but you know if he can get back to you know averaging 105, 110, he could be um, very super coach relevant at some point in time. So um, yeah, just keep an eye on him for, for this week as well. But yeah, Butters obviously we saw what he was capable of um, a little bit last year in between injuries. You know his ceiling um, is enormous. I think he was on you know 98 points or something in a game. Um, at halftime last year. So, um, you know, he's playing that really inside contested role. You know, Port Adelaide are obviously very keen to, to play him in there. He's shown what a capable player he is on the inside. So, uh, yeah, I think that role is just really super coach friendly and to have guys like that um, available as a forward, uh, you know, that's that's really handy for us. So, um, yeah, keen to see how he goes against Adelaide this week. Um, I don't think it'll be stiff opposition that he's up against. So, um, you'll sort of have to take it with a grain of salt a little bit, I guess. But, um, yeah, you know, the role's a big tick. Um, he's got a little bit of history there. So um, he looks like someone who could definitely be a sort of top eight scoring forward this year. Nick, I won't get your thoughts on Butters because I know very well where you stand on Butters. You're a big fan. Um, I do want to ask you about Matt Rao. What did he look like? Do you, do you like him? Are you going to be starting with him? What are your feelings on Matt Rao? Well, uh- I liked his game. Uh, he scored well. He got, um, I think, around 110 uh, from what I saw, which was kind of a bit surprising, but I think he had a lot of contested possession. So playing that inside ball, um, a lot of tackles, um, really boosted his score. Um, I think he's good. I'm just not – I was trying to sell him to you last week. I'm not 100% sold myself. Just going to see how things pan out in this next game. Yeah, for sure. A, a, a few other little storylines. Jackson Mead was okay as a potential mid-rookie. Uh, Josh Sin looked excellent. Um, I'd kind of now be surprised if he doesn't play round one, which I can't believe I'm saying given how many backman ports seem to have. Um, we don't need to spend a lot of time on GDL, GWS v Sydney just to say that Cogs looked pretty good. Um, Paddy McCartan looked nice, slotted in really well to Sydney. Um, Pies v Hawks, a few storylines out of there. Nico, I'm assuming you were watching this given your persuasions towards the, the Collingwood style. Um, did you like what you saw? And particularly from a super coach perspective, did anyone stand out? Yeah, Grundy looked very good. He looked lean and, and fit and, and hungry. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely locked in. Nick Davis, to me, looked very good off the halfback and centre bounce um, role. So for me, I'm sort of like leaning towards him um, over players like Horn Francis just because they're going to get a bit more cheap ball behind the play rather than trying to find it forward of the play. Um, that was pretty much about it for me. I didn't get to see Jordy Degoe, um, unfortunately. So one last chance for him to get into my team next week. Um, Bandit, one I wanted to ask you about is Pat Lipinski. I've seen him floating around in a few teams. He looked really good. Does he uh, Does he have any attraction for you at all? Yeah, he's a bit of a sticky sort of price for, for me. Um, I think his role in that Collingwood team is certainly appealing. You know, they've certainly got some some gaps in that midfield that they need to start filling for the next um, sort of five to ten years with um, guys like Pendlebury and, uh, and Sidebottom moving out. But 
Um, yeah, for me, it's just that, that sticky price. Like Jared Berry probably appeals to me a bit more um, at a sort of cheaper price range with potentially a, high, a higher ceiling. So I can definitely see why people would um, would want to grab him. Um, he's probably more a draft option, to be honest. I think he could be a really great um, late-round draft pickup if you play draft. But, um, yeah, for classic, he just doesn't really fit into my structure at the moment. I think there's probably a few question marks around you know, how much money can he actually make you, um, you know, being that sort of in that three to 400K range. Um, in terms of the final two games of the week, um, Frio West Coast and Geelong Richmond, not a lot super coach relevant came out of it. So I won't spend a lot of time on those just to say that Dusty looked good. Um, so I'm not surprised that you slotted him in Bandit as one of your premiums. He looked quite good and as a in a forward in a forward line that's a bit short on primos. He looks like a decent option. And West Coast just look very injured. Um, and Campbell Chesser is a big one from the super coach relevant um, situation that goes down for I think it was two months. So that's unfortunate for him. Um, just moving on, we I did want to plug our subscription content on the SC Playbook website. Um, if you're after premium content, you can sign up to SC Playbook for $30 for our entire AFL content for this season or $40 for the full package, which gets you AFL, NRL, BBL. Um, you get access to stacks of extra, extra articles every week, entry into our exclusive WhatsApp channel where the three of us plus all our contributors are in. Um, and yeah, if you're not interested in, in signing up to the premium, we've still got plenty of free content available for you as well. Also, last one of your last chances to join our SC Playbook group on the Supercoach website. Um, there are major prizes for those who manage to knock us off in the overall rankings by the end of the year. The code is 210089. Now, gentlemen, same as every week, I've set you a bit of a task for to perform for me. This week, we're looking at the forward line. Um, Bandit, can you run me through how's your sort of forward line structure shaping up? Um, what's, you've, you've touched on a little bit in the previous segment, but what, what are we rolling with in terms of premiums, mid-prices and rookies at the moment? Yeah, look, still still mostly uh, guns and rookies. Obviously, you know, with Canelio um, being available as a forward, he's, he's one, I think, that picks himself uh, at this point in time. But, uh, yeah, aside from that, um, pretty much just looking at guns and rookies, albeit might have to pay up a little bit more for um, some rookies like uh, Hugo Ralph-Smith, for example, from Richmond, played a really good game on the weekend for the Tigers so um, they obviously had a few guys missing in that game so we'll need to see him again next week to see how he goes but um, yeah guys like that um, you might need to just pay up a little bit more for the job security and, and you know super coach output as well but um, yeah obviously Dunkley's pretty much locked in Dusty if he um, if he rips it up again this week um, he'll, he'll be locked in as well um, and then really it just comes down to that F3 spot. I think that's a really challenging spot for a lot of coaches to, to fill this year. Um, obviously, with the likes of Zach Bailey, Zach Butters, um, Isaac Heaney is another one who we haven't really touched on yet, but I'm sure we will uh, later on. So, um, yeah, I think that F3 spot is really where a lot of people will um, sort of mix it up a bit. But, yeah, I think at the top end, um, yeah, no, you can't really go wrong with, you know, Dunkley, Dusty, um, even someone like Tom Hawkins might um, might pop up this year and um, continue his his um, succession as a top top six forward. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a, a number of ways you can skin it. It seems to be a common theme this year that we're having to sort of pay up for those uh, 200 to 250 range rookies and, and sort of mid-prices. So, yeah, it's not like previous years where you have this this glut of basement options. Um, Nico, where are you leaning at the moment in terms of your forward structure? Yeah, I've only got the two premiums at the moment. So I've got Dunkley F1 and Butters F2. Um, the reasoning is... I'm just really trying to hold on to that that fifth mid. Um, so that's sort of where my structure is sitting at the moment. Cogs, I think you can't go past. Um, Ralph Smith, he's in my team at the moment, along with Rochelle and, and McCartan. So 
they've impressed and found their way in, whether or not they stay there, I just don't know because anything past that F2 position, well, F3 position, I'll, I'll leave Cogs at F3 for now. It's really a revolving door. It's changing often. So I feel like I need a couple more rookies to, to put their hands up. I don't know if Tex Wanganin's going to get a berth. I've got him in my team at the moment. Hollands was in the VFL, not the AFL. So just a couple of queries there, uh, unfortunately. So in neither of you, I've noticed, are going near the likes of Mitch Duncan or Tim Taranto at this stage. Um, Taranto, has he crossed your path in your team at all, Bandit, or is he, is, is he one you're staying clear of? He's one I'm staying clear of for now. Um, I probably just want to see what his role is like over the first five weeks with Toby Green obviously suspended. Um, you know, Taranto sort of showed his capabilities as a forward last year, kicked a bag against Richmond um, late in the season. So um, all the talk is that he may be the one that sort of drops out of that midfield mix at the Giants and plays a bit more forward while Green's uh, on the sidelines. So, you know, at 530000 or whatever he is, um, you know, I just want to see what his role is. And if I need to correct into him, then I can correct into him later on. But, um, yeah, there's just a few question marks on his role at the moment for mine. Um, I noticed, Nico, that you don't have Jordan Degoe in your team um, after you've had him in for most of the preseason. What's been the impetus for, for moving him out of there? It's been collateral damage with, with Proust not being the number one ruck at the Giants and look like Matty Flynn is. So I've had to manoeuvre somebody out and it's him for the moment. So I, as I said earlier, I really want to hold on to those five big mids if I can. If I have to drop someone like Clayton Oliver then I'll, I'll do it. But, yeah, I'm really holding on as, as much as I can at the moment. Yeah. In terms of primos as well, Josh Dunkley, he's, he's locked in for both of you. He's also locked in for me. Um, he averaged 102 in Supercoach last year. Um, it was averaging He was averaging 129 after the first six weeks, then did his shoulder and then averaged just 81 when he came back. So I think you guys were spot on the money before when you said that he was being shepherded through the last few rounds a bit while the, the dogs tried to get to finals. Um, he's one which I think will be locked in a lot of teams. You also mentioned earlier, um, Bandit, Isaac Heaney. He's a very popular option. He is getting a lot of buzz. You, I noticed, don't have him in currently. What's what's the thinking behind him and what could he do over the next week or so to, to play himself into your team? Yeah, I'm not sure he's going to play. I'm not sure he's going to play himself into my team over the next week. I'm pretty happy to um, pass over him to start with. I think there's a couple of main question marks. The, the main one being um, his injury risk. I don't think he's played a full season for the last two or three years. So um, you know, generally, you know, a golden rule of, of your starting super coach team is to avoid those sorts of players who won't play. You know, at least 20, 21 games a year. Um, there's also that question of his role as well. I mean, you know, Sydney have been um, you know, um, repeat offenders when it comes to promising that um, young players will eventually move into the midfield. Callum Mills was a, a good example in years gone by. He actually did go into the midfield last year and was was awesome for them. But, um, you know, again, they're promising more midfield time for Isaac Heaney this year. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't know where he fits in really in terms of that mid-forward role. Um, you know, if, if Franklin goes down early like he has in, in previous years, they might just, you know, change him to a stay-at-home forward and um, uses aerial prowess a bit more. But, um, yeah, like I said, that, that role is just a, a big question mark for me. Nico, what are your thoughts on Heaney? Yeah, not a fan. Wasn't a fan last year when he was in the 300k price range. So I think we've been promised more mid-time minutes forever with him. Um, he's never averaged 100 in his career. So I'm not going to be paying what I think is pretty much top dollar for him um, as a starting pick. No thanks. 
Yeah, sounds I like agree. You need to pay you, Nico, to, to start him in your team. <laughs> uh, well, he's got the 50K coming his, this, his way this year after falling just short last year, so I don't think he needs it uh, at the moment, Bandit. Um, we, the mid-price options is where it gets really uh, tricky in the forward lines just because there are so many of them. Um, you One you mentioned before, Bandit, that, that caught my eye was uh, Taron Thomas. Um, you mentioned you just manoeuvred him out of your team to get butters in. Um, what's the thinking behind, uh, yeah, Taron Thomas? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, I mean, North is crying out for some some A grade talent, aren't they? And I think he's one who um, their beer mark is a long way out as potential uh, star of the future. And I think he's certainly working his way towards that. Um, he's a really, really smooth mover. We sort of got a bit of a glimpse of it last year um, where he started knocking out some scores of three figures. So, um, yeah, I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on. And I think the one um, the one other reason that he appeals to me is um, that we know Ben Cunnington to start uh, this year. So, obviously, we wish uh, Ben Cunnington all the best with what's um, ahead of him. But, um, yeah, that's obviously going to open up some more opportunities in the midfield for guys like Taron Thomas to, to find some more of the footy. And he's obviously a great user of the ball. So, um, that usually um, culminates in a really um, super coach friendly scoring sort of sort of role so um, that was the thinking there um, but yeah again sort of just need to see him put, put a really solid game together in the in the preseason so obviously a bit of a challenge for him to do that against Melbourne last week where North got done by um, by 15 goals so um, yeah I'll need to see a bit more from him this week from to bring him back in. I like Aaron Thomas as well um, didn't really like his game though last week so it was a little bit quiet uh, for my liking. Uh, he's definitely on the radar, though. If I do change my structure and get that third premium in the forward line, he's definitely thereabouts. So it's either, yeah, Jordy Dugowie, Taron Thomas, or even Weller has put his hand up from the Gold Coast. So he had kickouts moved. We like that forward move, you know, playing in the defense. So he sort of fits that profile. A little bit pricey at the 400K range, but I think he's in the ballpark as well. Yeah, there's just so many to choose from. I think we all are kind of settled on butters at the moment, but uh, the way things are changing, like you said, Nico, um, I didn't watch much of the Gold Coast game, but um, it, it would be exciting to see a guy like Weller taking kickouts at the back. That's just free points, um, and you're right, that does make him more enticing. One primo before we move on to a few of the, the shorter-priced options that you guys haven't mentioned, mentioned is Adam Trelaw. And what else, Nico, what else could he have done on Wednesday night <laughs> against the Dogs? He absolutely dominated. What more can he do? He did. What do you know? What he ended up on super coach points was at the end of it. I have not seen it. Do you yeah. have it handy? I don't think he blew it up. So disposal is you know a query with him. So he might have yeah he might not have had that good good disposal efficiency again. Um, he's just injury prone. With these starting picks, I tend to just avoid as much as I can. Thinking about my risk profile on my team, yeah, he's probably just a little risk that I don't really want to take at the moment, but I definitely see the appeal. Bandit, your thoughts? Yeah, much the same boat as Nico. Just there's that injury risk. He's had really bad hamstring injuries before, so you don't really want to get stuck with that, um, you know, a month or two into the season. That would just be a disaster. Um, and also his role is a bit of a question mark as well. Like most of last year, he sat out on a wing, didn't really see much centre bounce action, which is where he's done his best work previously for Collingwood. So, um, yeah, if he was to go back to that role, I'd be certainly a lot more interested. But, um, yeah, one preseason game is not going to um, talk me into bringing him into my team. We spoke a little bit about um, him earlier, so I'm not going to spend too much time on Cam Rayner just to say that um, 
yeah, I think the conclusion was he didn't quite do enough from a from a fitness and movement standpoint to convince any of us. One guy which, um, yeah, we started off the preseason sort of like a house on fire if I was talking about him was Jade Gresham. Um, Nico, where's he at? Do you know much about his sort of progress through this preseason? I didn't see his game. Um, I have been following um, our latest contributor, uh, Klopp Supercoach, has done brilliant write-ups for us, um, you know, Really, really helps me a lot. Uh, I've got a seven-week-old at home, so um, limited sleep. I can't be watching too many practice matches. So he's been he's been a god for me. So at Notorious Redmond, if you want to follow him on Twitter, yeah, um, Gresh. I don't think he's done enough, especially at that higher two hundred k, nearly three hundred k. I think there's just some better value options around him at the, at this moment. Yeah, I agree. Um, Bandit, any any way you can talk us out of that, or are you in the same boat? No, I'm in the same boat as you guys there, boys. Um, yeah, just don't think uh, the Saints are going to have a lot of super coach relevant players outside of, you know, Jack Steele and maybe Rowan Marshall as well. Um, I just don't really see where their, their top-end talent is at the moment. Um, I don't really think they're competing for finals, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I know they've got the longest premiership drought now with uh, Melbourne breaking theirs last year, but yeah, it could be um, a couple of years, I think, before we see the Saints um, seriously challenging. Um, and we did mention him a little bit earlier, Stephen Canelio. He has definitely played himself into my team. Um, I'd be surprised if he's not in a majority of teams at this point. Nico, is there is there any reason to be wary of this, or is it just is it as good as it looks? It's as good as it looks at the moment. You got to be wary of of Leon Cameron and the Giants. He could very well all of a sudden play majority forward, and then he doesn't turn out to be a great pick. But it's all looking like. He's going to get his CBAs. He's going to get plenty of ball. He's a lock for me. Yeah, the one thing that I think counts in Cornelio's favour is that because his ownership is so high at the moment, I think the last time I looked at it was about the mid-60%. It basically means two in every three teams have got him. So even if he does get injured or his role changes and he's not scoring that well, a lot of the top end of the overall rankings are going to be in the same boat. They're going to have the same problem. So it essentially makes him a bit of a free hit. If it comes off, everyone's happy. If it doesn't work out, everyone's in the same boat. They're going to have to trade him out at some point. So um, at that high ownership range, you know, there's not too much risk attached to him, I don't think. Yeah, it's a very good call, Bandit. It's sort of a, a no-risk sort of strategy, um, whereas if you go with the Greshams um, and Cam Rainers of the world, I think you, you, you open yourself up to a bit of trouble. And, yeah, it just the, the idea of having sort of that two players in the 200s range, that we, which you'd have to do to have Canelio and Rainer doesn't really sit well with me, and I think it kind of has to be one or the other. So out of those two, Cornelio's the clear pick. Um, quickly on to the rookie options that we've got. Um, it's kind of bare, unfortunately. Um, we were talking about it a bit before, Nico. But I, I thought we were going to be flush with forward options about two weeks ago, and instead we've, we've gone the other way. Josh Rochelle, he's the standout. Did you catch any of his highlights from uh, the Crows game on the weekend? I did. He looked brilliant, and I moved everything I could to get him to get him straight into my forward line and on the field. So he looked really, really good. Uh, I don't think you can have any hesitation with picking him. Um, when I had a look at the player database and filtered it through with the forwards, there's 300 players to choose from. It doesn't feel like that at all no, uh, at the not. moment. So as I said earlier, Holland's big question marks around him. And maybe we're going to have to go to these little bit higher ends like McCartan and Ralph Smith and these type of players, Brody um, from Frio. So I think we're going to be filling our forward lines with these kind of players and really taking risks in our forward line and maybe having a bit of a risk-free strategy with our other lines at this stage. 
Bandit, have you got any hidden gems for us that we're missing? Well, not at this stage. Like you said, the cupboard's pretty bare. I'm hoping that a few sort of jump out of the ground over the coming um, weekend to sort of play themselves into our into our teams because it's pretty pretty bare at the moment. Um, the one strategy you might be able to look at potentially doing is um, going a bit heavier in the back line. So maybe starting with four or five primos in the back line. You know, there's obviously quite a quite a uh, a good selection to choose from back there of guys who should average you know. 100 to 105 this year and be sort of top eight or 10 defenders. So you might you might want to stack your defense a little bit more and maybe pay up for, you know, your Jake Greshams or your Cam Rainers, guys who are, you know, definitely going to be in the best 22. Um, and then, yeah, obviously upgrade the rest of your midfield and your defense first and then try and pick off the, the six to eight um, top forwards as they emerge throughout the year. Because like you said, um, if there's no rookies down there, you know, you've got to fill those spots with guys who are playing. So... Um, if yeah, like I said, if the rookies don't jump out of the ground this week, um, we might all need to uh, to reshuffle our teams a little bit to uh, a bit more mid price. Spot on, Bandit. The the rookies make our structures. So if they're if they're bearing the forward line, then we're going to have to go a bit harder there with our mid prices and premiums. If they're bearing defence, we're going to have to go harder there. So I think this week's Games coming up, um, they're official games, so we're not going to have, you know, some playing short quarters, some playing longer quarters, um, not, you know, some playing four quarters, some playing six. So it's going to be proper matches. So hopefully we get a bit more of an idea and we get a few more lads putting their hands up for our teams. I think the really disappointing one is uh, is Holland, and you mentioned him before, Nico. I think we'd all penciled him in as that F- F5, F6 sort of spot, and he's just sort of dropped off, and I, I can't work it out. I was stunned to not see him named in that Gold Coast team, so um, I don't know if anyone has any idea what's going on there, but that, that was annoying. Just, um, yeah, and- coming off significant injury, I think, Eddie, maybe they're just being a little bit cautious with him. Yeah, it makes sense. He was uh, he was allegedly tearing up the preseason, though, so <laughs> who knows what's going on there. Everyone um, is at this time of year, I think. It's extremely true, Bandit. Um, now, if you like a punt, um, I just want to send everyone who's keen for a punt to topsport.com.au, home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up, and uh, we're going to be previewing some of their markets throughout the season. If you are linking up with uh, Top Sport, make sure you use the code SC Playbook so they know that we sent you. Um, it really helps out the podcast. 18 plus only gamble responsibility. Now, boys, as always, this week I sent you the link to the uh, the Top Sport AFL futures markets. Um, I wanted you to find something of value for me. I'm looking to looking to make a little bit of cash. What have you got for me, Nico? My play of the week is West Coast for least wins. So as I was researching this, the market went from $11 into $9. So I'm not the only one looking at this. We've got, you mentioned Chessa earlier. We failed to mention that Sheed is out for half the year as well. So he's got the ankle syndesmosis injury. Yo is in a bit of injury doubt as well. We know they've got issues in their forward line with Darling out. It just seems like they've put in a horrendous um, display. You know, the weekend just gone uh, as well. Frio really touched them up. Um, so I think, yeah, lease wins, $9. Let's play there. I like it. Bandit, what do you got for me? I think I'm a little bit left field. I do agree West Coast are looking a great shout for uh, for lease wins or to miss the eight. You know, you could take a pick of those really, but... I'm going to go to the common medal winner. Uh, I don't think this has been covered by anyone else. So um, the one I'm really liking at double figures at the moment, which I think is is way over as if he gets off to a hot start, is actually Tom Lynch. Um, you know, Richmond obviously struggled a bit last year, but, um, you know, if they can get off to a hot start, Dusty back in form, uh, I think Tom Lynch could be a really decent shout at, uh, at 10 bucks if you want to have a little wager on him. 
very good bandit. I actually went in exactly the same direction as you this week. I think the common metal markets must have been added in the last couple of days because I hadn't seen them before. Um, I went a little bit differently to you. I went Ben Brown at 15 bucks for the Coleman medal. Um, he's obviously a two-time runner-up, came third once, kicked 188 goals across 66 games in 27 to 2019. He looks like he cemented his spot in that Demons um, front line, kicked five on the weekend against a, a pretty inferior opposition, but a bag's a bag. Um, so I do like a bit of value in those Coleman medal markets. I was sort of stunned to see the two Cats boys, Cameron and Hawkins, up near the top. I would have thought that yeah, one of them is going to cancel the other one out. But, uh, yeah, a bit of value to be had there in the Coleman medal markets. Um, make sure you use code SC Playbook if you're getting on top sport. Now, new segment this week, boys. Um, we've been very lucky to have a bit of social engagement out there. Hello to all the listeners out there. Um, put a post up last night asking if there are any questions anyone wants answered on the pod. Um, and to my shock and surprise, there were quite a few questions coming through, which is excellent to see. So we'll go through a couple of these. Um, very sorry if we don't get to your questions in time this week. We will do our best every week to get to everyone, but we might not be able to. First one I want to throw your way, Nico, because I know you love this topic. Uh, this is from Julius Graham. Do you think the new tackling rules will affect the Supercoach scoring this season? It can't hurt. I don't think it's going to have a massive influence on scoring. It's one of those things where the AFL umpires might come out and over-umpire it, with, which they have done with new rules in the past. So if that happens, then absolutely. However, I just think there might be a one or two point sort of bump for, for the players like Tuke Miller and um, Jack Steele, these guys who really like to tackle and get that free four, um, you know, free kick yeah, I agree. I think it yeah it can't be a bad thing. Um, do you have any? We haven't actually gotten your views on this topic yet, Bandit. Have you have you had a look at any of the AFL rule changes and particularly around the tackle ones? Do you think they're going to have any impact on any players that you've got in mind? Yeah, I've had a bit of a look. Um, you know, like all rules, I think there'll be a bit of an adjustment period, not just for for the players but for the umpires as well. Um, yeah, similar to Nico, can't see them sort of. Um, boosting a player's average by, you know, 10 points in a season or anything like that. Um, I think, you know, guys like, um, as Nico said, Took Miller, Jack Steele, even guys like Tom Mitchell potentially as well, um, guys who, you know, are pretty in and under and like to get their hands dirty, you know, could could see them score maybe three or four points, and, uh, three or four points more a game. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's going to have a massive bearing on things overall. Tom Wilcock wants to know what our preferred structures are with the limited slash only expensive rookies and mid-price value around. It's quite a broad topic, Nico, um, yep. but I reckon we can refine that down to how many primos are you going to be starting with and where's your mind at with how many primos you, you're going to have on the field at the moment? Sure. I want to start 12. I think any less than that, you're in a little bit of trouble trying to build your team getting to full primo. You might run out of trades. So I think the ideal start point is 12. At the moment, I'm rocking a 3-5-2-2. However, if I do have to drop someone from the mids, then it'll likely be either like a 4-4-2-2 or, a, yeah, a 4-4-2-3, for instance. So, yeah, a lot of numbers, but obviously those numbers that I'm spitting out are how many premiums you've got in each line starting from defence going to forward. Um, and that actually answers another question that we had from Rainman, who said, seeing some teams run up to seven to eight players between 220 to 400K feels way too risky. I'm currently running three with 12 primos. What do you think is the best balance? And I think we know your answer on that. Um, Nico, you're you're inherently in favor of getting the high, as many primos as you can around that 12 range. Um, Bandit, yep. what are your sort of thoughts on on your overall team structure and how many, how many mid-price, how many primos, how many rookies you want? 
Yeah, I'm pretty happy with, with the way my team's looking in terms of the split between primos and rookies at this stage. I think I've got three in defence. Uh, I've got four genuine you know, superstar midfielders in my in my midfield. Um, two primos in the ruck, set and forget for me. Uh, and also three um, primos, I guess, with you know one of the Butters, Bailey's, Taron Thomas at F3 with, with Cornelio as well. So... Um, you know, sort of looking at 12 genuine primos if you include um, Butters at F3. Um, but obviously, I'm not counting um, Barry and Cornelio into that as well. So, um, you know, I think that could be a good structure for most people. Um, I think, yeah, seven seven guys in that 200k range is way too risky for me. And um, there's just so many things that can go wrong. You know, even though we've got extra, extra trades this year, um, you don't really want to be using those to correct um, out of mid-prices who, you know, have flopped um, in the first six weeks of the season. So... Yeah, for me, very much trying to stick to, to guns and rookies and just pick off those guys who are who are underpriced but have also have also done it before. Nico, how many guys between seven? Uh, how many guys between two hundred and twenty to four hundred k are you running with at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm looking at about. Sorry, I'm just counting through them. I've got about four. Yeah, I think yeah, that feels four, about right. Maybe five at the absolute most. Yeah. Yeah. I think the consensus, I reckon, would be that seven to eight of those players is, is just too many. I think you're leaving yourself open to, to too many things going wrong. And as we as we often say, you've got to sort of think best-case scenario, what's the absolute best-case scenario for this guy? And is, is, if he's not going to get to a premium status, then then you're kind of wasting that spot. Yeah, the other important thing to remember as well as we've touched on it before is, you know, just the overall structure of everyone's team. You know, if we don't have the rookies in a certain part of the ground, we're probably going to have to pay up for these guys who are over 200K. So... Um, you know, don't try and force yourself to, to be limited to, you know, a certain amount of guys in a particular price range because ultimately team selection dictates who we pick um, at the start of the season. So if you do need to find yourself including a couple more guys over 200K, don't be, um, don't be sort of against that fully, but, um, you know, you just need to tweak your team um, over the next week or two to, just to accommodate. Uh, Daniel Butera wants to know a topic close to your heart, Nico. Is Isaac Heaney a trap? He's not a mouse trap. He's a bear trap. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you hear it every year. We've we've touched on it. He's never averaged a hundred in his career. I don't see it happening now. So, I mean, he had two one hundred scores last year to start the season off, and he ended up being in the three hundred k price range. His floor is just way too low. He's prone to those forty point games. He's just not a starting pick for me. Bandit. Yeah, someone I could trade into late in the season potentially is like an F, F6, F7 option, particularly if he gets um, – I think he's – is he mid-forward now or is he just forward? I if he's, know, if he's, he's never been in my team, Bandit. So <laughs> yeah, look, if he's if he's forward only and he gets mid-forward, he's definitely someone I could look at as like – Yeah, he's forward and, only. Yeah, so if he, if he gets mid-status throughout the season, he's definitely someone I could look at potentially as like that M9, F7 – um, loophole option potentially, but um, yeah, as Nico said, for a starting option, I just think there's there's better ones out there. Yeah, agreed. And obviously, he's got the extremely high ceiling because he goes forward and kicks goals. But like Nico said, I think the floor is the real worry, and, and he's every chance of having that game that he he just spends deep forward all day and doesn't touch it. Um, it just seems to happen so often with with Sydney. They don't care about our super coach teams; they care about winning, which is incredibly annoying. Um, We've got one more question to go, which is from Stevie Joel Noble. He wants to know how risky are these blokes? Um, and I'll run through them one by one. I want you to give me a risky rating out of 10. Um, Nico, how risky is James Sicily out of 10? 
6.5. Bandit? Uh, if one's not very risky and 10 is very risky, I gave him a two. The only risk I see there is him being suspended. Ooh. I like that. I'm, I'm firmly on the uh, the not very risky side of things with Sicily. I think he's he's shown heaps over this preseason and um, he's got that role that is just incredibly friendly for Supercoach. He basically roams wherever he wants. Um, on to our next player, Jared Berry, Bandit. Give me a, give me a risky rating for Berry. Uh, on the back of his performance last week, I gave him a three. When he's fit, he's clearly in Brisbane's best 18 players. So he's a three for me. No, oh, like zero for me, mate. Lock him in. There's just a zero. Yeah. No, he's averaged 90 before. He's averaged, he's done it before. Scoring history's there. The role looks like it's there. The only thing that might push him up a couple of points in that is if players like Zorko or something push him out into a forward role or something like that. But at the moment, no risk for me. Uh, Rowan Marshall? Yeah, he's probably about somewhere in the middle, probably about a five for me. Yeah, I was the same, Nico. He's a five for me. I'm a big fan, but he probably needed to stay healthy and a forward uh, status addition to his rock role would be a big tick um, for me to bring him in as well. Um, big O, I'm assuming that's Big Oscar from the from Brisbane Lions. Bandit, it is. he's got a risky rating for me. Yeah, he's an eight for me. I'm not sold he's going to score well enough week to week to be a top three contender in the ruck line. And realistically, you need to have, you know, at least one of the top three rucks in your team to be a, a serious contender in their overall ranking. So, um, yeah, he's way too risky for me. Nico? Yeah, I agree. Seven to eight, somewhere around there. Just a bit too high di- discrepancy in his scoring. He reminds me of one of those NBA guys you see, like um, Taco Fall, who's just—he's just too tall, and he's just—he's pure offense, but you can't get the defense out of him. They, they run rings around him, um, chuck him in. He's good for a five-minute burst, but after that, yeah, just a bit too risky for me. And the last—the last one in our risky rating, Nico, I've got Lockie Weller. Yeah, he's probably about a around a five again. Um, he's not as cheap as what Jay Z was or Aaron Hall was last year, who had that role which we really benefited from. Um, 400k, I think on price point alone, he's probably about a five or a six on a risk rating. Bandit? I've gone the complete opposite. He's an absolute nine for me. Um, <laughs> this is a guy who's never been a super coach premier before in a team who's likely to be competing for the wooden spoon, especially with Ben King going down now. Um, you know, I'm just looking at his stats now. His highest score, his highest averaging season was 2019, where he played 17 games and averaged 88.6. So, yeah, there's just way too many question marks there for me. Um, if he's killing it later in the season, I'm happy to pay a bit more for him, but I want to see him do it first. I'm not convinced on one practice. That's, a, that's the thing, Bennett. You're spot on. He's probably at that price point where he's not going to absolutely burn you if you don't if you don't have him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, he go, if he goes up I'm by just... you know sixty or seventy k during the season, you have to pay up for him as a top you know eight scoring forward. So be it. You know those guys pop up every year. So if you don't jump on him now, you know it's pretty low risk. Ben, I'm just glad to see one of my guests finally disagreeing with Nico. It's just everyone <laughs> everyone just gets around Nico constantly. I'm glad to see someone push back on him. He needs it. Um, well, thanks for your time, boys, today. That's about all we've got for this week. Um, we'll be back again, same time, same place next week, running you through, running you through all things Supercoach. Nico, Bandit, thanks very much for your time today, boys. Thanks, guys. Loved it. My pleasure. We'll see you next week.